0: I am not going to tell you what you should or should not eat. I am not going to um, offer opinions about one diet versus another. So my goal is to create a very simple and basic framework from which you can better understand nutrition and hopefully empower you to make some choices on your own behalf and and even experiment a little bit. Right. Uh, Some people do better on a, a diet that includes more Carbohydrates, for example, some people function better on a diet with less, and so. Hello, and welcome to the Growth and Thriving Podcast, where we celebrate those who have overcome great adversity and examine the tools and techniques by which people create lives that feel like thriving. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak, and today what we're going to be doing is talking a bit about um, basic nutrition. So why would I be talking about nutrition on a Growth and Thriving Podcast? Um, for those of you who are part of our Facebook communities or linked up with me on on YouTube or in any of the other kind of social media, you know that for me, um, growth and thriving and wellness includes you know general health and well being. It includes fitness. Um, it includes financial well being. It includes career you know a healthy career trajectory, and it includes healthy relationships. Um, but it also includes nutrition. Nutrition is the fuel that does uh, or doesn't make those things work. I think most of us have a basic understanding that nutrition is linked to um, athletic performance, that athletes uh, pay attention to nutrition. And probably most of us have some um, recognition that nutrition can be linked to types of illness, certain types of illness, uh, mostly chronic types of illness like diabetes or obesity or other metabolic types of problems. And and while those things are true, um, there's much more to it. I mean, certainly uh, maintaining a healthy weight and a healthy body composition and, and body composition is probably more important than weight. Um, meaning being lean, even if you're technically heavy, if you're heavy and lean, um, your health will probably benefit, uh, whereas if you're healthy and if you're um, not lean, if you have more fat content in your body than muscle tissue and bone and organ and such, um, you'll probably have other health consequences. However, um, what's less known is that nutrition is linked to overall functioning. It's, uh, you know, all of our cells in our body uh, function because they take um, hydration and nutrition from what we eat and drink. Uh, our immune system uh, is a, more effective when our nutrition is better. Our um, brains and moods, believe it or not, function better. Um, the gut, where we digest our food, is often thought of or referred to as the second brain. And it's called that because there's a real connection between the brain and the gut. And the, certainly, our emotions can affect our gut. Have you ever? Um, you know, felt nauseated, for example, when you received really bad news or were very nervous about something, or had other sort of digestive issues, IBS, things like that, when you were stressed or under a lot of tension. So, our mood can affect the gut, but that works the other way around too. The gut can affect our moods. Um, it's fairly well documented that um, diets high in Um, fried foods and processed foods can contribute to anxiety and to depression. Um, It is also, you know, there's um, more than 30 neurotransmitters, neurotransmitters, neuro, brain. So these are chemicals like serotonin and dopamine and GABA and um, epinephrine. These chemicals that Um, Are how our neurons in our brain communicate with one another and produce moods, produce happiness, produce joy, produce sadness, produce grief. Um, There's more than 30 neurotransmitters that are produced in the gut. Additionally, 95% of the serotonin in the body has been found in the gut. So there's more serotonin in our gut than there is in our brain. And um, anybody who has some familiarity with medications for things like depression, a lot of times we are prescribed SSRIs, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So those drugs uh, block um, reuptake valves in the brain. So they, what they do is they prevent our, our um, neurons from, sucking up serotonin, and it leaves more serotonin in our system, which helps us feel better, helps us feel less depressed. So I mean, that's sort of the short, brief version. So a lot of that serotonin, the overwhelming majority, 95% of it is produced in the gut. And so how we feel can be very influenced by what we do or don't eat or drink. That said, let me be clear that um, I recognize that there are people who have uh, depression, and, or anxiety, or trauma histories, or uh, bipolar disorders, or, or whatever mental health problems that, um, you know, can persist independent of diet. So even if somebody has a great diet is eating really well, they can still have depression. I understand that I'm not suggesting that um, for people who are suffering with mental health difficulties that they just eat right, they'll be fine. What I am saying is that for some people, cleaning up their diet could be the cure, could be. Some people who suffer from high anxiety or depression, um, even the severity, I mean, obviously trauma has to do with what you've lived through. And so that has more to do with other things beside your diet. However, what you do or don't eat, and how many of your nutrients and your hydration level can affect the severity of trauma symptoms. And so there are some people I think who suffer from depression, for example, and by eating a cleaner diet that depression could completely go away. Not just eating a cleaner diet, but probably also getting some exercise and um, you know, getting some movement, getting their heart rate up, um, getting some exposure to sunlight, um, uh, interacting with others in, in healthy relationships, uh, reading or listening to motivational or uplifting material, all of these things have research s- suggesting that they benefit mood. So, uh, th- of course, having depression makes it hard to do that. Th- those things. It sucks our, our motivation and our desire to take care of ourselves. It makes us want to kind of just stay in bed. But for some people, not everyone, some people with depression or with anxiety uh, if they can find the um, resolve to start to clean up their diet, to get out of bed, to get into the sunlight a little bit, to um, interact with people they love to read or listen to or watch some uplifting movies or podcasts, uh, oftentimes in a, you know a few weeks they'll start to feel much, much better. They're, that's not everyone Some people could do all of that and still struggle with depression or with anxiety. However, what I am also suggesting is even for those people where better nutrition, um, some movement, some exposure to sunlight, where that doesn't alleviate their depression or their anxiety or whatever symptoms they're struggling with, uh, what I would say is that proper lifestyle and health habits or not proper, but improved lifestyle and health habits will lay the foundation on which you can build other treatment, whether that treatment is medication or therapy or some combination of medication and therapy. As somebody who spent, you know, 12 years as a therapist, I can tell you that the people who did therapy on top of, um, certain lifestyle habits, you did therapy on top of exercise and socializing and getting sunlight and eating right, tend to tend generally to do better than people who did therapy and took medication, but ate poorly and didn't get any exercise and stayed in the house and didn't get any sunlight and isolated themselves. So... Nutrition can make a big difference, and certainly it makes a big difference in athletic performance. It makes a difference in our appearance. I would never, ever suggest that our appearance is tied to our sense of self-worth. However, generally speaking, when we feel good about ourselves, we tend to think we look better. And when we think we look better, we tend to feel better about ourselves. So all in all, I think improving our nutritional habits is probably a win-win. Um, to be clear, I am not a registered dietitian or a certified nutritionist. Uh, I am, however, a personal trainer uh, with a lot of experience. I became a personal trainer in 1998, so it's been a while. Um, and so I have some education uh, with nutrition. Uh, I don't think it matters for the purpose of this podcast that I don't have a credential because we're not going to get deep in the weeds. Um I am not going to tell you what you should or should not eat. I am not going to um, offer opinions about one diet versus another. So my goal is to create a very simple and basic framework from which you can better understand nutrition and hopefully empower you to make some choices on your own behalf and and even experiment a little bit. Right. Uh, Some people do better on a, a diet that includes more carbohydrates for example some people function better on a diet with less and so you can experiment a little bit what I will tell you is getting your carbohydrates from you know if you're trying a, a higher carbohydrate diet getting your carbohydrates from you know strawberries and bananas and oranges and apples uh, and if you eat grains you know some some whole grain sort of um, sources uh, is probably going to fuel you better than getting your carbohydrates from refined and processed sugars from Twinkies and Oreos and things like that. Uh, most of this stuff you probably n- know already. My hope is to, uh, it gets very convoluted between advertisers who want you to buy their products and make uh, confusing claims on packaging and in advertising versus um, a million different nutrition books in the bookstore and different um, infomercials, and television programs, and documentaries, and so um, let's jump in, and we'll give you some real basics, and hopefully it will, uh, like I said, empower you to have a framework by which this gets a little simpler, and hopefully um, you'll be able to make some decisions on your own behalf. Um, I think it's much more empowering if you can figure out for yourself what feels good, you know, because the other thing about food is that it should be um enjoyable right it doesn't always have to be restrictive one of the things i i very much dislike in our culture with food is when we talk about you know illness that's tied to nutrition you know like things like diabetes or obesity or when we talk about um people who for their health probably uh, are a little overweight or have too much body fat it ends up always the conversation about food ends up always being about restriction and Um, I, I don't, I don't believe that most people thrive when they feel restricted. So, like I said, the goal is empowerment. The goal is to help you find foods you like and a nutritional plan that you can enjoy and feel good about. And that fits fairly conveniently into your life. And that gives you the results you want. Um, so that's important to me, um, Watch the presentation and uh, leave a comment. Uh, Leave a comment either on the YouTube channel or on any of the Facebook um, groups and let me know what you think. But let's jump in. I'm gonna share my screen because I do have a presentation that goes with this. Uh, I think it eases understanding a little bit. So um, let me find. where that might be. There it is. Uh Okay. So nutrition basics. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by trying to understand what we want to achieve in looking at our diet. Uh, most people, the immediate thing they want to achieve is, is weight loss, weight loss, weight loss, but that's not always the right answer. And we'll discuss that. Um, we'll talk about some basic information of what, what comprises nutrition, what makes food nutritional or not. Um, we'll talk about how many different diets there are on the market and how to put it all together in a way that makes a little bit of sense. So let's start with what your goals look like. Um, so some of the goals you hear about nutritionally, as I said, weight loss is a very common one, but some people need weight gain. Some people are underweight, um, especially people, who struggle with digestive issues like Crohn's disease, for example, they have a hard time absorbing nutrients and gaining weight, but there's also people, for example, in the gym, um, if you frequent the gym or just know some of these people uh, who want to put on muscle and to be more athletic and genetically, or for whatever other reason, they're what we call hard gainers, meaning it's hard for them to gain weight. Um, What they're looking to gain of course, is muscle weight, not weight from body fat. Um, but they would have different nutritional needs than somebody who uh, feels like they are too heavy and wants to lose some weight. Another goal uh, would be around body composition. And as you'll see, uh, I think on the next slide, um, in my experience, most people who think they want to lose weight actually really want to change their body composition. And last but not least, most of us want to feel good. We want to be free of brain fog. We want to be vibrant and lively and happy. And we want to um, be free of digestive distress. We want to have good energy. We want to sleep well. All of these things are influenced by what we do or don't eat. So culturally, we have a fascination with weight loss. And um, my two cents, my perspective is that this has done a lot of harm because what ends up happening is people, and I think this impacts women more than men historically, but it's starting to impact men more and more and more. Um, Some people equate their value and their worth as a human being with their weight. So if their weight is high and they're on the scale, the number's high, or if they feel like their pants are fitting tight or they can't fit into whatever clothing, Um, there's nothing wrong necessarily with, you know, wanting to say, you know, using that as a wake up call and saying, Oh, geez, I got to adjust my lifestyle. But um, I think a lot of people, it becomes about their character. God, I'm so awful. This is so bad. I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm so terrible. And to me, that's just a a recipe for disaster because uh, of a couple of things. The first thing is, you know, there's people in the world who have, who are, you know, Paralyzed or um, have other limitations that prevent them from exercising, from and you know, uh, and for some people, it's just not important to them. It's not a priority, and I don't feel like um, it's our place to judge that necessarily. So, uh, and I wouldn't want us to be judging ourselves for it. So, you know, our families generally still love us, or people in our I shouldn't say our families, people in our lives. Who are important to us still love us, whether we're a few pounds heavier or a few pounds lighter. Um, but the other problem with weight loss is the idea that weight, weighing less, does not necessarily mean that somebody is healthier or more athletic. Um, there is a phenomenon we talk about in the fitness industry that's colloquially referred to as the skinny fat person. And what that is, you can see in the top picture. is is a skinny lean person versus a skinny fat person. So a skinny fat person looks good in their clothing. They don't have a belly protruding out over their belt or anything, their double chin or anything like that. But their body fat percentage is still high. They're not lean. They're not carrying a lot of muscle mass, which means that their health is probably still impacted. And also, uh, even in the absence of actual heart disease or metabolic dysfunction, they may not have the energy, you know, the, as you're looking at that picture, the body on the right, the person in that body likely has less energy and vibrance than the person on the left. Um, Maybe struggles more with, with um, mental health kinds of things. Um, And again, it's not a judgment, right? It's just a fact that the person on the right is not just because they're thin um, or appear to be thin doesn't mean that they are healthy. So a lot of the folks that I work with, with um, fitness coaching or or personal training, start off by telling me they wanna lose weight. But the real truth is that if they could look like the person on the left in that picture, um, they'd be happy. And there's a fair chance that the person on the left in that picture weighs more than the person on the right. If they both got on the scale, there's a fair chance that that person on the left would weigh more than the person on the right. And the reason for that is because muscle tissue is very dense, whereas fat tissue is not adipose tissue is not very dense. So um, a pound of muscle looks small because it's dense, whereas a pound of fat looks big because it's not dense. It's airy. It's bigger. So um, even though, The person on the left looks leaner and more athletic. If you put them on the scale, that person's probably denser and has more dense tissue in their body. Therefore, they weigh more. Um, Same is true of the sprinter and those that's gymnasts at the bottom picture there. Those are all people who look fit and they look lean and they look like they're in good shape. Um, I would imagine that they're in good health too. I mean, that's not necessarily the case. You don't necessarily know. But generally speaking, people who are lean and muscular and athletic like that um, tend to enjoy better health. There are exceptions, but that's a generalization. So um, so you have to understand if you say you want to lose weight, we have to understand why we want to lose weight. You know, if you are, if you compete in wrestling or jujitsu or something and you have a tournament coming up, and you're in a certain weight class and so you want to cut weight to be in the tournament but then after the tournament you're going to go back to your normal walking around weight okay you know uh or if you're planning a destination wedding in three months or something and you want to look a certain way for the photos but you're not planning to maintain a a restrictive lifestyle after that again that could be something but if you want to lose weight Um, because you feel like you are overweight, um, I would encourage you to uh, maybe value body composition at least as much as what the scale says, if not more. Um, It seems like an extreme example, but if we were to take all of you listening right now, as you were um, and make you astronauts, right? And, put you into the space program and launch you into outer space, you would weigh nothing, right? Because weight is a measure of gravity, right? You weigh what you weigh on planet earth because of the gravitational pull. If we put you in space, you would weigh nothing. However, the rest of your body would be exactly the same, right? You would look the same. Your health conditions would be the same. Everything else would be the same. If we took the two gentlemen on the top picture and we put them both in outer space, they would both weigh nothing, right? But their bodies would still be different from each other the way they are. And so, um, so there are instances where what you weigh could be important, but I would encourage you when you're thinking about your goals, to uh, especially around nutrition, to make sure that you're measuring the correct thing. Right? Would you rather look like in that top picture, like the body on the left or like the body on the right? Uh, and would it matter if one weighs more than the other necessarily? So things to consider as we, as we move on, because we will get into why that matters. Why an eating program for, um, to look like the, the guy on, the, on your left, the more muscular lean guy, would be very different than the than the diet that the guy on the right on your right um, would follow. Um, you notice I use the word diet rarely. I tend to call it an eating plan or a nutritional plan or uh, something of that sort. Uh, that's part of my effort to get away from the culture of restriction of be feeling restricted. Uh, if you hang out around athletes or people who uh, even amateur who can just compete, compete in Spartan races on the weekend or obstacle course races or people who do jujitsu or just like to go to the gym. Uh, very rarely do you hear athletic people talk about diet and exercise. Most of the time they talk about training and eating. And it's it's semantics, it's just words. It may feel like splitting hairs, but here's why it matters to me. Um, the words diet and exercise Have connotations around restriction and punishment and very sort of puritanical, authoritarian kind of lifestyles. Whereas training is something you get to do, eating is something you get to do. They're enjoyable activities. You know, exercise is punishment for food that you ate that you need to burn off, which by the way, doesn't work that way. But um, whereas Training is a celebration of how your body moves and what it's able to do. Uh, Same thing, diet is what you're not allowed to eat. Eating is what you are, you know, what you get to enjoy. So to me, that framework is important. Um, So I tend to not refer to it as being on a diet. Uh, I'm not saying you can't refer to it that way. I'm just encouraging you to think about it in the most empowered, what I find to be the most empowering, least restrictive ways. So that's a bit about our goals. Um, You can see the SMART goal graphic there, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. Um, That can be important. It doesn't have to be. Um, There are people who decide to sort of clean up what they eat without having a particular goal in mind, and you're entitled to do that. However, what I would say is if you are looking for an outcome of some sort, you need to make sure you're measuring the right thing. If you want to look lean and muscular and athletic and you're measuring your weight on the scale, you may never be satisfied because somebody, I'm a good example. I'm a a bigger person naturally. And even when I'm lean, I'm heavy. I have a dense bone structure. I have dense, I'm densely muscled. Some people are, are longer and more alive. Um, I am not one of them. So even when I'm lean, I weigh 200 pounds, you know, 210 pounds, something like that. So, um, so we want to make sure that if that's what you're looking for is lean and muscular, we're measuring your athletic performance We're measuring your body fat. Maybe we're using a tape measure and taking circumference measures around the chest and the abdomen and the arms, and the legs, um, to make sure that you're putting on muscle and burning fat, even if the scale isn't moving much. So pay attention to those goals, it's important. So let's talk about some basic, like what makes up food, like what's the basics of nutrition. And again, in the, in the interest of keeping it very simple, all we're gonna talk about today really are calories, micronutrients and macronutrients. Um, because in, in, in the terms of the basics, this is what matters. Um, you know, if you already have a pretty good diet and you're watching this episode of the podcast, looking to like tweak very specific things, you're probably going to be disappointed because like I said, this is very much the basics, but let's, let's get into this and talk about what each one of these things means and why it's important. So what is a calorie? Calories are a measure of heat. They're a measure of energy. Okay. So, um, one calorie is essentially the amount of heat or energy needed to raise the temperature of one, um, I lost my train of thought, Of uh, to raise the temperature of one kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. So um, if you eat something that has 10 calories, that means that your body, in order to, not store that food as fat needs to use that much energy, the amount of energy it would require to raise one kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. Do you, are you going to know how much that is on a day to day? Probably not. Um, But you can figure out, for example, example what your resting metabolic rate is Um, when it comes to burning calories or losing weight or gaining weight, um, your resting metabolic rate is where the money is. Um, you will never burn enough calories during a workout to make a huge difference. The trick is to use fitness as a way of uh, increasing your muscle mass because muscle mass will burn more calories all day long. So um, just at rest, like I am right now, just sitting here at rest, uh, the muscle mass on my body, each, each pound of muscle, burns three times the calories that each pound of fat burns. Um, My brain actually, any, everybody's brain burns exponentially more than that. So um, the goal typically uh, in a fitness program is to put on more muscle so that you're burning three times more calories or, or more all day long. So um, so that's calories, um, calories become most important for managing your weight. So if you're trying to put on weight or you're trying to take off weight, um, there are caloric approaches. Uh, this can get a little more complex than it sounds, but generally speaking, it doesn't matter how many vitamins and minerals you're eating. You could lose weight on a, on a very nutrient, um, sparse diet, right? You could, you could technically lose weight on a diet of nothing but pizza and ice cream. As long as you created a calorie deficit, as long as you ate few enough calories, that um, that your body would burn what's stored would burn its body weight. Would you be healthy? No. Would you be lean or athletic or feel very good? Probably not. But mealtimes would be fun. So Um, generally to gain weight, that's pretty easy. You eat a lot, um, and you create a calorie surplus. Probably you want to make sure that you are eating a lot of food that has good nutritional value so that the rest of the systems in your body function well, um, for sustainable weight loss, it typically gets a little more complicated, um, because yes, if you eat, say 2000 calories a day. Now, could you reduce that to 1200 a day and lose weight? Absolutely. For most people, 1200 calories a day is not sustainable long-term. Additionally, after a few months of eating 1200 calories a day, your metabolism will slow down and stop burning as quickly. So that weight loss will taper off and will plateau. And now You know, if you're eating 2000 calories a day, now you have to eat in excess of that to put on weight. If you cut it down to 1200 calories, now you only have to eat in excess of that to put on weight. So there's a diminishing return with that. The strategy that most educated people use with somebody who wants sustainable weight loss, um, is to invest six months to a year. Putting, building some muscle, so doing some resistance training, either in the gym or at home or whatever. But increasing muscle mass so that that um, resting metabolic rate goes up and up and up. And at the same time that we're increasing muscle mass, we will increase your caloric. We'll create a calorie surplus for that six months or a year. We'll increase your what you're eating. So if you're eating, you know, eighteen hundred calories a day now, I might work with you to build some muscle and increase your diet to the point where you're eating you know 25 2600 calories a day a year from now now if you're putting on muscle you probably your body won't change much you'll still be wearing the same size clothes you won't notice you know in that from the mirror or anything that you're bigger or that you have a bigger belly or anything because the calorie increase is matching the metabolic increase But then when we get you up to the point where you've put on some muscle and you're now eating 25, 2600 calories a day, then we cut you down to 2000 calories a day. And at that point, you will start to lose weight because you are uh, creating a calorie deficit. However, That weight loss will be more sustainable because most people can do just fine long-term on 2,000 calories a day. That's ample food for most people. Um, And it can support your activity level. Um, If you increase the activity level, you could increase the daily calories a little bit and still maintain. Um, But it's certainly much more sustainable than 1,200 calories a day. So those are the basics, right? The basics are if you want to gain weight, eat more. Um, the more nutritious food, the better. If you want to lose weight, I would put on muscle, boost that metabolic rate and boost your calories for a while. Then after boosting for a while, I would cut the calories to something sustainable and weight will drop off. you. So let's talk about macronutrients. What are macronutrients? So macronutrients um, are less important for weight gain or weight loss. Um, they do overlap a little bit, but they're mostly most important for body composition. So they're most important for whether you are carrying around muscle mass or lean, lean tissue, or whether you are putting on fat, body fat. So, um, there are three primary macronutrients. First is protein. Each gram of protein you eat has four calories. Right. And that's important to know because uh, for most people to be healthy, you want to eat an amount of protein that's um, commensurate with your desired body weight. So um, so it's usually the, uh, the recommendation is something like one gram of protein for, per pound of desired body weight. So if I want to walk around at 200 pounds, I'm eating 200 grams of protein a day. And that's 800 calories worth of protein. So on a 2000 calorie diet, I'm almost halfway there. Um, Then there's fat. And, And the other thing about protein to understand is that it is essential for body functions. It's essential for, and I say body functions, which is vague because it's essential for a ton of different body functions. It's essential for cellular rejuvenation. It's responsible for things to do with eyesight. Your brain needs protein to function. Your immune system needs protein to function. So it it contributes to all sorts of body functions. And without protein, no matter how many calories you consume, if you have 0% protein in your diet, you will get sick and eventually you will die. Your body needs protein to survive. The second macronutrient is fat. And fat is tricky because, you know, first of all, fat has a lot of calories. One gram of fat has nine calories. So, but again, fats are essential for body functions. There are nutrients, uh, vitamins and minerals that cannot be digested if you don't have enough fat in your system. So you will be nutrient deficient without fat. Um, your brain is essentially made of fat, requires fat to function. Um, your metabolism requires fat. So there's, again, if you don't eat enough fat, then you will get sick. And if you continue to not eat fat, you will die from it. Um, fats, the source of fats are important. So we want to try to stay away from hydrogenated vegetable oils. That's essentially trans fats. That's what everybody heard. Trans fats are bad for you. Don't eat trans fats. So that's hydrogenated vegetable oils. Um, there are mixed mixed reviews about um, animal fats, egg yolks and fat from beef or from lamb or whatever. Um, and I'm not going to get deep into the weeds on that. However, um, I will say that most Americans are deficient in omega-3 fatty acids. And so we want to make sure our diet is rich in those. And we may even supplement those. Um, That's important for joint health and for brain health and for mood. Um, And I will tell you many of the foods, a lot of people shudder at eating fat. Oh, no. And the idea is that the more fat you eat, the more fat you store and and your body stores that fat and holds onto it. And that's not necessarily true. Um, it's much more complex than that. Uh, I'm not going to get into the weeds on that now, but eating fat does not necessarily make you fat. Now eating enough calories in fat, right. Creating a calorie surplus with fatty foods, well, yeah, you'll store those excess calories because you're not burning them. So you'll store them as fat for later use. True. Some fats are are more usable by the body than others. And so um, we tend to burn through those quicker than others. Um, But that's getting a little bit into the nitty gritty. What I will tell you is many foods that are thought to be very healthy for you, um, foods like cold water fish, you know, salmon and sardines and mackerel. Um, foods like avocado and olives or olive oil and nuts, almonds. These foods, the reason they're healthy for you is because of their fat content and their fat profile, the type of fat uh, that they are. So, um, you know, coconut uh, is thought to be good for people. Th- these are foods. And again, I I hesitate to say that because there's a lot of people who consider coconut a superfood. There are other camps out there that say you shouldn't eat coconut, it's not good for you. Um, I suspect that different people tolerate it differently. So I'm not gonna get into a yes or no on specific foods. But what I will tell you is that there are plenty of foods that are generally agreed to be healthy, very healthy. And the reason they're healthy is because of their fat content. So don't get turned off by the word fat. Um, you need fat in your diet. The third macronutrient is, nutrient is carbohydrate. And carbohydrates are foods that turn to sugar to, in our system and essentially are used for energy. Similar to protein, uh, carbohydrate sources contain four calories per gram. Um, and the most foods, so it's, it's sort of a misnomer to talk about a food as being a fat or a carbohydrate or a protein. Um, most foods have a combination. So foods like beef that we think of as a protein source, um, also has fat in it. Um, does typically does not have carbohydrates in it unless you add something when you're cooking it. Um, but it is not just a protein. Similarly, you hear a lot of people, especially people who are on vegetarian or vegan diets, um, refer to beans as a protein. Um, Most of the nutrition people I know, people educated in nutrition, would not refer to beans as a protein, um, but in fact would refer to beans primarily as a source of carbohydrates, that also contains some protein. So, yeah, beans have protein in them. That's true. Um, but they have way more carbo- carbohydrate than they do protein. Um, but most foods have some carbohydrates. So, um, you can see on the little graphic, right? There's um, under fats, there are foods like um, nuts and avocados and coconut. Those foods all have some carbohydrate in them. Um, foods like um, you know, bananas and beans and broccoli, those foods are high in carbohydrate, but they also can have some protein and some fat. In them. So, um, what's interesting about carbohydrate though, as different from both, you know, protein and fat are both essential. You will get sick without them. You will die without them. The human body does not need carbohydrates. You can live without carbohydrates, um, I know low carb and no carb diets have been a fad. So of keto diets, I'm not going to chime in on specific diets. What I will tell you is two things about carbohydrates. Um, well, three things. The first thing is that, um, no, more than three things. I'll tell you a few things about carbohydrates. The first is that you do not need them. To survive. You can survive just fine without them. Um, if you f- do not, if you eat a zero carbohydrate diet, your body will create glucose from amino acids and you will have energy. So um, your body can produce its own amino acids. You do not or your uh, sorry will produce its own glycogen, its own energy and sugar. You do not need to consume it. That said, there has been research comparing athletic performance um, between people on no carb diets, you know, like a keto diet, for example, um, versus people who eat some carbohydrate and those athletes who do consume some carbohydrates in their diet outperform those who do not typically, that's what the research says. So, um, so if you, whatever your goals are with regard to weight or to body fat, if you do plan to engage in some athletic activity, if you're, training at the gym or you're doing, uh, you know, races, you're running 5Ks or you're competing in jujitsu or any of those things, you might consider some carbohydrate uh, in your diet in order to perform better. Um, To what degree that's going to depend and you can experiment and try those things out on yourself. Um, Carbohydrates vary based on glycemic load. So that's how quickly they turn to sugar in your system. So certain foods like sugar cane or um other foods turn to to glucose very quickly. And so when you're when you eat them um in your body it's very much like pouring gasoline on a fire. It flares up. So if you're running a marathon and you're on mile 18 and you take uh, a packet of supplement that's mostly sugar um you'll burn right through that sugar because of the activity level, right? Because of the number of calories you're burning and the intensity of the activity, you'll burn right through it. However, if you are sitting on the couch watching a movie, which you're entitled to do, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you're doing that and you're drinking a Gatorade, for example, which is very typically very high in sugar, um, you're not using that sugar. And so what's going to happen Is the insulin the response in your body is going to cause you? You will use you will burn off whatever sugar you need right then. So your brain will use some of it, your you know, heart and lungs and body functions will use some of it, but very little. The rest of it will be rounded up and stored in your fat cells. And so, this is one of the reasons why um, people who want to get lean tend to go on low carb diets. Um, This is also, you know, again, um. For athletic performance, being single digit body fat, you know, being lean and and having ripped is not always best for athletic performance. If you watch the Olympics or you watch the UFC or anything like that, you'll find that that some of the most decorated athletes on the planet um, are not the leanest. Uh, Those two things don't necessarily equate. So the same nutritional plan that will get you down to 4% body fat is not necessarily the best nutritional plan if you're going to do a triathlon. So those things are important distinctions. Um, there's more to carbohydrates than glycemic load. Yes, if you're not terribly active, you probably want to eat carbohydrates that burn slower, that turn are slower to turn to sugar in your system. Um, but it gets complex. So there are some fruits, for example, watermelon is a great example, has a very high glycemic rate. However, there's so much fiber and so much water in a watermelon that you would have to eat an astronomical amount in order to put on weight from it. So, um, so just understand that, uh, you don't need carbohydrate to survive. Um, some people do better with it than others. There is an idea uh, in the fitness and nutrition fields of what they call metabolic individuality. I'll tell you, some people rail against that idea. And I think um, that idea suffers because it's named poorly. I wouldn't call it metabolic individuality because individuality sort of suggests that each individual person has an ideal diet and that those diets are different. My ideal nutritional profile is different from yours, is different from your brother or sister's, is different from your niece or nephews. And I'm not so sure that's true. I think there are some general guidelines. Um, I would have referred to it if I could have named it, instead of metabolic individuality, I would have called it metabolic variability. Um, If you don't wanna believe in metabolic variability, I would offer things like um, celiac disease or lactose intolerance as evidence for metabolic individual or metabolic yeah metabolic individuality or variability Um, some people can handle dairy just fine some people cannot there's differences some people can eat gluten and not seem to have much impact right or you know other grains but um, some people get very sick from it there are folks who say even if you're not gluten sensitive it's still bad for you Again, I'm not going to weigh in on an opinion on that. If you want to know what I do personally, I'm happy to tell you. Um, But um, I'm not deep enough in the research on gluten, for example, to make a real educated opinion. Um, But there are some people who seem to do just fine on a high fat, very low or no carb diet. There are some people who seem to do better when they introduce some carbohydrates into their diet. So there is this... I think there's good evidence for this metabolic variability. Um, You're gonna have to play around on your own um, and figure out what works for you. Uh, I'm willing, by the way, to help. If people have questions, you can contact me, but let's move from macronutrients and talk about micronutrients. So micronutrients are the spectrum of vitamins and minerals. Um, These are a little less important for weight loss or weight gain. They're also not quite as important for getting lean or body fat composition, body composition. Um, I'm not gonna say that they're completely uninvolved. They're just most important for overall health and well-being. Your intake of vitamins and minerals is going to um, dictate how well your immune system functions, how well your endocrine system functions, how well your eyes and ears and organs work, right? It's going to anti-aging has a lot to do with micronutrients in the field of anti-aging, um, doctors and other professionals in that field. So what happens is we get so caught up, many of us so caught up on, um, weight loss or what should we eat carbs or don't eat carbs that we don't pay attention to vitamins and minerals. And we end up deficient, um, in what we need. So, uh, vitamins specifically, some are water, water soluble, and some are fat soluble. So in order to digest them, you have to be well hydrated and have enough fat in your system. You have to, you know, consume enough fat, in order to digest them, otherwise you will eat them and they will go undigested. Um, but they are vitally important for health and well being. Um, they're not, like I said, not completely unrelated to things like body composition or to um, weight or weight gain or weight loss. Um, but generally speaking, we want to make sure that we are eating a nutrient dense diet. Um, it's been said that for the first time in human history, people are both obese and malnourished. Uh, it used to be that if somebody was malnourished, they were wasting away. They were scrawny, they didn't get enough food. Um, in modern times, our food is so uh, sort of nutritionally void, much of it, not all, but much of it, that we have people who are overfed, you know, they're in calorie surplus, but they're nutritionally deficient and so there are illnesses things like rickets for example is a um, a, a illness that is directly related to nutritional deficiencies but there are many so generally speaking we want to make sure that we eat a diet uh, that is high in nutrients Um, for many of these nutrients it's hard to overdo them uh, to the point where they would make you sick generally speaking your body will take what it needs and the rest will come out in urine or excrement. So uh, those are micronutrients. These are the things that go into what we eat. So let's talk for a minute about these gazillion different diets in the world. So there's, you know, the keto diet, and there's low fat diet, and there's paleo diet, there's carnivore diet. Vegan is a little bit different, um, because vegan is is um, primarily based on ethics and values about not eating or using animal products. Vegans, not just a diet, it's a lifestyle. People who are vegan will not wear wool or will not wear leather. I'm not gonna pass judgment on any of these things, um, but the reason I'm making this distinction is because most people who start to eat paleo or keto or carnivore are doing it because they wanna lose weight and improve their health um that's not necessarily the case some people go vegan because they want to improve their health um however some people are not concerned with their health at all they go vegan because they're concerned about the well-being of the planet and the well-being of animals um and are perfectly content to eat what we would call vegan junk food right vegan cookies vegan ice cream vegan um you know non-dairy ice cream vegan and so um vegan is not by default intended to improve health and well-being like the other diets are there are some vegan athletes there's plenty of youtube channels and blogs for people who are uh vegan health there are also people who would claim that vegans are mistaken and that that um eating vegan does not improve the environment uh again i'm not going to chime in on one side or the other i will share with you that i am not vegan um, and I have my reasons. I'm happy to discuss those at some point, but, um, I am also not anti vegan necessarily. I'm just, um, I want people to do what works for them. And in terms of, if you're worried about the environment, you're worried about the planet and about animals, um, I would encourage you to get educated on different arguments Uh, The vegans have one argument, the carnivore people have a different argument, the paleo people have a different argument. Um, Look at the research, look at the literature and and make the best, most educated decision you can. What I will say is it can be crazy making, right? There's a Mediterranean diet and there's a um, Mayo Clinic diet and there's the DASH diet, right? There's so many diets and it's like, which one is right? Which one do I choose? So in the interest of simplicity, what I would encourage you to do is not necessarily be dogmatic about one diet, stick to it no matter what. But I think the value of a lot of these diets has more to do with what they omit than with what they include. Right. And you will find that many of these diets omit the same foods. Dr. Sunshine, that's crazy. The keto diet says, that you can't eat any carbs at all right you eat just fat mostly fat a little bit of protein and you keep your body in ketosis and you omit carbs whereas a low fat diet says that generally you eat more carbohydrates and high fiber foods and fruits and vegetables and keep low fat it's like the opposite of keto it's true but there are things that are not on either diet and i can tell you what those are um and i hate to use brand names because i don't want to bash anybody's brand but you know, potato chips are not on either one of those diets. Cookies are not on either one of those diets. Ice cream sundaes are not on either one of those diets. Um, you know, highly processed snack foods, cookies, crackers, ice creams, candies, right? Gummy worms or whatever are not on either one of those diets. And so generally speaking, if you want to clean up your eating approach, Could you pick one of these diets and then adhere to it? Sure, you could, absolutely. But if you didn't want to do that and you wanted to sort of just move in the direction of harm reduction, you could start by omitting the things I just mentioned, right? So without counting carbs, without counting calories, even you could get rid of your snack foods, or. Use them as a once a week treat. Maybe Saturday is your day to have some ice cream and a cookie or something like that. But the rest of the week, we're not eating that stuff. We're not eating candies. We're not eating chocolates. We're not eating, um, you know, chips, tortilla chips, potato chips, Fritos, Doritos. We're omitting those things. And we're sticking to generally whole foods. We're sticking to um you know meats of if you eat meat, we're sticking to vegetables. If you eat vegetables, the carnivore people do not eat vegetables. They do eat fruit, some of them. So we're sticking to fruits. We're sticking to um, nuts uh, if if you tolerate them well, right? If you eat grains, we're sticking to some healthier grain options, right? Uh, either fermented grains like you might find in um, in um, like sourdough bread or in some you know, yogurt-type foods, um, and, and we're including those things, right, and, um, not necessarily railing against carbs or railing against fats or railing. We're just getting our, the sources of those things are going to be better. Now, if you do that and you want more results after that, then you can look into eliminating specific or reducing specific macronutrients or including specific things. Um, But let's start with just what, what do all of these diets have in common? Well, what they all have in common is they encourage you to eat whole food sources. Right. Um, when it comes to dairy, that's a little bit tricky nowadays. Most dairy comes, um, you know, pasteurized and homogenized, and most dairy comes in a package with some processing. It's hard to get un, totally unprocessed cottage cheese or sour cream or cheese of that sort. Um, if you're feel important, if you feel strongly about that, you can either cut out dairy or you can find raw dairy sources. There are other risks health risks that come with raw dairy. So if you're going to use raw dairy, make sure that you're very familiar with the farm, with the source that it comes from and that it's coming from healthy cows. Um uh, just I mean there's still a risk of getting sick, but it re- it's reduced. So um that's very important and then like I said the metabolic individuality piece. So is everybody, you know, if you look at all these different diets, you look at the keto diet and the low fat diet, right? Or the Mayo Clinic diet or whatever, they seem to be diametrically opposed. They're almost opposite. And yet they both have examples of people who've shed a bunch of weight and improved their health dramatically on each of the diets. How mm-hmm. can that be? Well, part of the reason is because they're omitting these junk foods. Part of the reason is because people, when they start to pay attention to their health, like they start to pay attention to their diet, they automatically start to do other things that help their health too. They start to exercise. They start to take the stairs instead of the elevator. They start to make sure they get enough sleep. They start to drink more water. All of these things will improve their weight, improve their body uh, composition, improve their overall health. So just by virtue of doing one, they might unconsciously do the others. And the last reason why these seemingly opposite diets can have people who get healthy on either one is because some people will do better on this one and some people will do better on this one. Um, I do not claim to have the uh, definitive answer as to why that is or how that works. But my suspicion is it has to do with evolution. My suspicion is that um, many of the earth's people lived in places where the ground would freeze over the winter. And so it was very hard to have vegetation, to have fruits or vegetables um, or grains, carbohydrate sources. Um, You know, you could certainly preserve some, you could ferment some, you can make things like sauerkraut or kimchi and keep them or pickled beets or whatever and keep them through the winter. But by midwinter, you might run out. And so generally the only food sources left would be what you could hunt or fish. And so um, those people probably tend to do better on a lower carbohydrate type diet, whereas people who live closer to the equator could have fruits and vegetables all year round. And so they probably evolved to have digestive systems that tolerate those things better. I don't know if that's fact. I'm not suggesting that it is. I'm I'm suggesting, however, that some people, there is some variability in how well um, folks will do with a higher fat diet versus a higher carbohydrate diet and you should just um, experiment a little bit and see how that goes. If you want specific protocols for experimenting, um, leave a a comment or send me a a private message and I will send you some. I have some uh, elimination diet protocols that will help you see which foods and which types of foods you tolerate best. So how do we put this all together? Here's the basics. This is how we put it all together. So we can start with just limiting our intake of junk food. When I say junk food, most of you know what I'm talking about, right? Soda, like sugar, sugary kind of, you know, Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper. Junk food, yes or no? Most people agree, yes, right? Um, Ice cream, junk food, yes or no? Yes, you know, chips uh, of any sort, potato chips, tortilla chips, Doritos come out of a bag. Junk food? Most people agree, yes. Deep fried foods, onion rings, French fries, junk food, yes, right? Um, Salmon, junk food, most people say no, right? Uh, Chicken breast, or even chicken thighs for that matter. Junk food, most people say no. Um, Beef, there's varying decisions. Some people say no, not junk food. Some people say yes. Some people say it depends on the source, depends on where you get it from. Is it grass fed, right? Um, is it humanely raised? Uh, Blueberries, strawberries, avocados, junk food, most people would say no, right? Water, junk food, most people would say no. So we want to start to take the things that are clearly junk food, of which there's a general consensus, and limit those. If you want to eliminate them, you can. Um, I'm not an advocate of telling people how they have to restrict themselves. But I would say what works is for a lot of people, is to designate maybe two meals a week, maybe Wednesday night and Sunday afternoon or something are cheat meals. During those two meals, you can eat some pizza, you can have a donut, you can whatever. Um, If the rest of the meals during the week are pretty healthy and pretty clean, you should be fine, right? If you want to be more rigid than that, that's okay. But if you're looking for a less rigid way to start to improve your well-being, that's a good way to start. Uh, in putting together your diet, I would say, in thinking about what you're going to eat, prioritize whole foods, you know. Um, you know, certainly fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, and if you eat meat, meats for sure, are, are going to be healthier choices than freeze-dried or pack- packaged or processed versions of those same foods, right? Um, whole fresh blueberries or even flash-frozen blueberries are probably gonna um, be more nutritious and healthier for you than dried blueberries or you know, some sort of uh, snack food that has blueberries in the mix. We also wanna pay attention to the relationship between energy density and nutritional density. So if you look at the bottom, I have a picture of two different plates of food. One has pizza, says 315 calories, the other one has, uh, looks like a salad of some sort or a mix of vegetables and things, says 315 calories. So in terms of energy density, those foods are equal. Energy is how many calories? Remember, a calorie is a measure of energy. So those are energetically equal. However, I would suspect that the um, plate with the vegetables and fruits and things is more nutrient-dense than the slice of pizza for the same energy. So if you eat the pizza, you're gonna have the same amount of energy for that slice of pizza, but less nutrition, okay? Um, Again, there are people who would say, don't eat vegetables, only fruits. Uh, I'm not gonna get deep. I'm not gonna put my flag in the ground on one of those. If you want to not eat vegetables and just eat fruits, try it out see how it works. Um, Otherwise, eat some fruits and vegetables, you know, complete them. Uh, The last piece I wanna put in for today really is about hydration. Most people do not drink enough water. Um, Eight glasses of water a day is not enough for almost anyone. Generally speaking, the recommendation for most people is to take your body weight in pounds, divide it in half, and that's how many ounces of water you should drink a day. Most people my size should be drinking at least a gallon of water. Um, If you work out, if you intensely or sweat a lot, if you work outside in the summer, outdoors in the summer, do anything um, like that, if you drink coffee or tea or caffeinated beverages or alcohol, you should drink more than that base recommendation because those things draw moisture, draw hydration out of your system. So the general recommendation, like I said, is body weight in pounds, cut it in half, divide it by two. That's the minimum number of ounces you should drink. Um, you can uh, improve your hydration a little bit with electrolytes, um, a little bit, a little pinch of sea salt into a gallon of water um, changes dramatically. For example, how much you have to run to the bathroom and it changes dramatically how much of that water permeates your cells and you get to hold on to versus how much goes to waste. Um, There are commercial electrolyte um, boosters that you can buy powders. Some of them are flavored in whatever way. Uh, I would just be cautious about how many calories and how much sugar specifically is in those uh, hydration packets. If you feel good with just water, then you can do just water. Um, but hydration is the foundation on which, um, all of the systems of your body run, including your digestive system. So your ability to pull nutrients out of food requires you to be well hydrated. Um, for those that don't know, um, you can live several days without food. You won't feel good. You won't be happy, but you can survive like a week or more without food, 10 days without food. You can't go more than a day or two without water and you will die. Um, Of course, you can go even less than that. It's like a matter of minutes without air before you die. So air is most important. Water is second and then food. So these are the basics of nutrition. And I hope that this video helps you understand it and put it together simply. My goal is that you don't get mired down in the Um, In the noise that's in the the diet section of the bookstore or on Facebook or whatever, people advocating their approach, their approach, their approach, their approach is great for them. That's terrific. Um, You need to find the approach that works for you. I like to start with simplicity. So simplicity is take what you're doing now and make a couple of small adjustments. If you eat a lot of junk food, try to limit that. If you're really hungry when you cut out that junk food, replace it with things that are um, more nutrient dense and less energy dense. So low calorie, high nutrient foods like apples or bananas or whatever. Um, I'm trying not to give you specific foods because invariably people are gonna come back and be like, well, I don't like apples. doesn't have to be apples, but there are plenty of um, low calorie, high nutrient foods that you can replace Doritos with, for example, um, even if you li- really like the, like, you know, nacho cheese or spicy Fritos or whatever, you know, you can cook yourself a couple of, of eggs with some hot sauce on it and do a lot less and be a, a lot more healthier, you know, feel a lot better about that in the long run. So start by eliminating what's clearly, you know, um, what we would think of as junk food. Try to increase the foods you like that are very nutrient dense. Um, try to pay some attention to portion size if you're concerned about your weight. Um, and just start there, you know. Then you can play with reducing carbohydrate and increasing fat. You can play with increasing carbohydrate, reducing fat, and see how you feel on each one. You will very quickly see that your digestive system, heartburn, digestion. Um, gas, things like that will change and stick with what feels best and what works best for you. Um, Some people are great. They can get up in the morning and have some eggs and some cheese and just kind of protein and fat and be great. Some people, not so much. They need to have their little bit of oatmeal or fruit or whatever with it. So um, please drop your questions, drop your comments. Uh, Let me know what you think. You can comment on YouTube. You can comment on Facebook. Um, Let me know what you think, but for the moment, this is Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak signing off and saying, keep growing until you're thriving.